Mai. Good morning. This is Judith Lay welcoming you to Manx Radio and to the podcast of this week's edition of At Your Service. Manx Radio. Growing hope. That's what we're talking about today. Growing hope in places where life is challenging and where holding on to hope can be the hardest thing to do. And Richard Littledale is back, thinking about a hole in the roof. But let's begin with a hymn full of trust and confidence. From the pen of Stuart Townend, O my soul, arise and bless your maker.
the St. Michael Singers and O oh My Soul Arise and Bless Your Maker. About seven years ago, Dr. Naomi Graham founded a charity called Growing Hope. Naomi is a highly qualified and experienced children's occupational therapist, and her charity, Growing Hope, provides free therapy for children and young people with additional needs. Additional needs are wide-ranging and could include a physical disability, a cognitive disability, a mental health problem or an undiagnosed need that affects their ability to join in everyday activities. It's a Christian charity and, as the name suggests, their aim is to grow hope for children, hope for families and hope in Jesus. Growing Hope is motivated by Christian faith and runs clinics in partnership with local churches. But those clinics are open to everyone, to people of all faiths and none. Earlier this week, Naomi was on the island, talking to groups from various denominations about what it means for churches to be truly accessible to everyone, no matter what their needs, and how our churches could meet their responsibility to become places of growing hope. Making our churches accessible, where everyone feels welcomed and understood and where their particular needs are met, means a lot more than just replacing steps with ramps. And that's what I'm going to be discussing now with Dr Naomi Graham from London's King's Cross, where Growing Hope began. Yeah, I set up a charity called Growing Hope and we're all about championing accessibility and enabling children and young people to receive free therapy in partnership with churches right across the UK. You know, I really believe that Jesus asks us to welcome everybody. Constantly throughout the Bible we see him bringing people from the edges of community right into the heart. We think that additional needs are really wide-ranging. So it could be a learning need, a physical need, a mental health need, an undiagnosed need, anything which is impacting on someone being able to participate in activity. We want to be people who are enabling everyone to be able to be a part of community. So how do you operate? Am I right in saying that this started in one particular church in London? Yeah, so I'm an occupational therapist by training, so I look at all the things that children do every day, whether that's washing, dressing, eating, playing, writing, concentrating, see if there's anything they find difficult, how I can help make it easier, essentially. But what we found is that there's massive gaps in the NHS services. Families don't get the help that they need. And I really felt God say to me that actually like we as the church could start to step in this gap be a church that's the hands and feet like it used to be providing free healthcare for families that need it I set up the first local charity and the national charity at the same time in December 2017 the first clinic launched in King's Cross in February 2018 and our vision is to have 20 clinics working not just as occupational therapists but speech therapists counsellors music therapists physios across the UK in churches by 2030. So at the moment we have four clinics, so two in London, one in High Wycombe, one up in Gateshead. We want to be equipping churches right across the country, right across the nations, to be thinking about how do I enable accessibility for everyone in my community, whether they're young or old or have a mental health need or a learning disability, what does that look like? So we've got an accessibility award that helps churches to think about how they can get a bronze, silver or gold 
Growing Hope Accessibility Award that looks exactly as we were saying, not just at physical accessibility, but looking at a much broader picture, you know, how are we being multisensory? How are we listening well to people who come into our churches? And then we also have some courses for parents and carers and siblings, and we train people to facilitate those groups and courses so that we can support the whole family because families of children, young people and adults with additional needs often are super isolated. Often families say to me, you know, we don't go anywhere. We don't really go out. We can't go out because of our child's needs. So if a church turned around and said, you're so welcome, we'd love to befriend you. You know, even just learning a parent's name and asking them how they're doing. So many parents say to me, no one ever asked me how I am. I can't believe you've asked me how I am. That can make such a difference. Let's take, for example, a child who has an attention deficit disorder and who is very active and has great difficulty concentrating or sitting still. It's lovely to say to the family, come on, you're welcome. But it's only bringing the problem into another place unless you know how to engage with that child and perhaps for somebody in the church to occupy him or her. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we can more easily than we think be equipped to be able to enable children, young people and adults with a real range of needs to be able to join in in church. There's a story I really love of a girl that I met called Abby, we'll call her Abby, it's not her actual name, who she couldn't walk, she couldn't talk, she couldn't eat by herself, she couldn't sit, and yet she carried the most amazing sense of God's peace and God's presence with her wherever she went. And she really sadly died when she was 14, but at her funeral, person after person after person got up and they said, I know more of God because I got to spend time with Abby. And I think so often we can frame our own expectation of of what relationship with God looks like by our own narrative and our own perspective and actually I love that passage in Ephesians 3 which talks about the love of God that surpasses all knowledge that you may be filled with the fullness of God it being about our relationship with God and we as Growing Hope really want to practically equip people to think about what does that look like how do we train people up in order that people in churches can enable everybody to be able to be a part of community. Do you think we get daunted and and think, I'm not an occupational therapist, I'm not a nurse, I'm not qualified, I couldn't do this? Yeah, 100%. Often when I'm doing training, I always say to people, remember, you know, Joshua 1 verse 9, be bold and courageous because God is with you wherever you go. Actually, it's so easy to be afraid. It's so easy when we encounter difference to think, oh, I don't know what to do about this. But the first thing we can do is just say hello. Say hello to the person in front of us. If they don't respond, we can then turn to their carer. But actually, if we give somebody time to respond, often they'll respond to us. And everyone can say hello. We can smile to someone. And that can be the first point of then exploring more of what it looks like to support that individual to be a part of church community. So where do we start then? Great question. I mean, there's many places to start. I think saying hello, you know, putting it on your website to say that you're that everybody's welcome. Doing things like just not being afraid to invite people along who are different. You know, making sure that you've got small things in place. Small things make a big difference. Things like having ear defenders in your church so that if somebody comes along who finds the noise overwhelming, they can just pop them on. Having pipe cleaners so that somebody who finds it hard to focus or somebody who has dementia or somebody who's feeling anxious has something in their hands that they can hold. You know, thinking about our community groups, just having those things around, having visual symbols to show people makes a big difference. So let's go even further back than this. How do we find the people that we can reach out to? Who should we talk to? Yeah, great question. I think for us as Growing Hope, obviously we 
we run our therapy clinics that's something we expand across the UK and we would love to explore with anybody who wants to explore that with us and the way that works is that we get referrals from NHS professionals from schools from people that send people to our clinic which is in the church building which then we can practically support them we invite them along to church because we're openly Christian so that's one way but also through our courses like our siblings groups Individuals can facilitate those courses which support parents, carers and siblings with what it's like to be a parent or a brother or sister to an individual with additional needs. And they're often a really easy way that we run in schools. Like if you say, I'd love to run this course for free for you in your schools, they're often like, yes, please come and help. But even, you know, a step back from that, just saying to your local school, I'd love to be available if there's anyone in your school who needs a listening ear that potentially has a child with additional needs, like perhaps this is that's something we could offer. Yeah, lots of different potential opportunities. What I'm hearing you saying, Naomi, is really that the church needs to go out and talk to the community and then see what we need to do next. Rather than start in the church, we need to start right out in the community and find those people. We've got to go out and find them, haven't we? Yeah, 100%. You know, we want to be able to be reaching people who otherwise wouldn't have been able to connect in and experience that community. What about sharing our faith with people who have special needs? What what are some of the keys to that? Because we tend to measure everybody by their ability to pick up a Bible and read it or listen to a sermon or sing a hymn or whatever. And it's not really about that, is it? No, absolutely. And it's about our relationship with Jesus. And that can look different for whoever we are. I think as an occupational therapist, I often think about sensory processing. So the way we take in and understand the world through our senses, the way we see, hear, smell, move. So whenever I'm communicating with someone about my faith, I would be trying to use more than just verbal language, trying to use the rest of my senses as well. At Growing Hope, one of the things we always do is we offer to pray for families who come into our clinics. We say we believe that Jesus brings hope in people's lives. I'd love to pray for you if you'd like to pray. No pressure if you don't want to pray. Is there anything you want to pray about? And it's really easy for people to say no, but actually we often see people who choose to, to pray and it's amazing to stand alongside people and I think value people for who they are. Like One of our values is community. We want everyone to be seen, heard and able to belong and that looks like sharing our faith in a way that is adapted to the individual in front of us in order that they can understand that communication but also as a charity we don't want to shy away from the fact that we believe that Jesus brings hope and that underpins everything that we do. Naomi tell me about your book Love Surpassing Knowledge which has the byline more than ramps understanding and implementing accessibility. Who's this aimed at? It's aimed at anybody, anybody and everybody in churches or re- even in communities who want to think about accessibility. So it talks about our senses from an occupational therapy perspective. So neurologically, what are our senses? How does that, how do our brains work? You know, how do we see? How do we hear? What does that mean? And then how God speaks to us through those senses. So looking at how does God speak to us through our visual sense in the Bible? You know, Jesus says, look at the birds in the air. They don't reap or sow or store in barns and yet your heavenly father feeds them. He's actually using sight to enable people to be drawn into the story. And so it looks at all of those things for our different senses and then practically how we apply that to church and to community. You know, really practically, what does that look like? It really depends on the individual. So one of the things that I'm often training people 
about is actually looking at all those senses and what what's more calming, what's more alerting, what's going to help us to be able to process and understand things the best. We know that movement is really helpful. We know that the more movement we do, the more that's going to help our brains feel calm and regulated. So often I'll use movement. You know, I might give myself a big hug and ask a child to copy that or help them give themselves a big hug and talk to them about, like, that's how much God loves you. God's love for you is this big and this is what we're thinking about. But then, yeah, also using smells or sounds or tastes and the more multisensory we can be, the more of those senses as we draw upon, the more we were able to communicate. Naomi, absolutely fascinating to talk to you, but also a challenge. And that's what you want to be, really, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I wholeheartedly believe it. We're told to go make disciples of all nations, and we need to be a people who can reflect Jesus in the way that we welcome everyone in the way that we do draw people from the edges of community into the center and um, the more we think about this stuff the more we're able to do that you know just in our day-to-day lives and in the way that we welcome. And it's perfectly true that the health service alone cannot cope with everybody's needs. We hear this in so many different areas. If this was ever the time for the church to stand up, this is the time, isn't it? Yeah, I completely agree. And we're so well placed at the moment as the church to be able to start to step in that gap. And I think there's an increasing level of openness to the church doing that. And, you know, we've We've seen all these referrals from NHS, from schools, from everybody who know that we're openly Christian and and we want to be stepping in that gap. Music from Dave Bilborough. And before that, I was talking with Dr Naomi Graham, founder of the charity Growing Hope. If you'd like to know more about Naomi's charity and its work, there's a very comprehensive website, growinghope.org.uk. And the website is also where you can buy Naomi's book, Love Surpassing Knowledge. And now it's time to welcome back Reverend Richard Littledale for another episode in our occasional series called What happened next?
the Bible is full of stories. During his short time on earth, Jesus taught his followers by telling stories. But the stories of what Jesus himself did are how we learn his teachings. Through the miracles he worked, loving people into life, healing them, raising them from the dead, feeding them and offering them, and now us, the possibility of everlasting life. This morning, Richard Littledale is thinking about one particular story from chapter 2 of the Gospel according to Mark. It's the story of Jesus healing a man who'd been paralysed from birth. Some men came, bringing to him a paralysed man carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it, and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralysed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now, some teachers of the law were sitting there, thinking to themselves, Why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts, and he said to them, Why are you thinking these things? Which is easier, to say to this paralysed man, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Get up, take your mat, and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. He got up, took his mat and walked out in full view of them all. And in Mark's Gospel, that's where this amazing story ends. The paralysed man, no longer paralysed, picks up his mat and walks away. But what about the ones left behind? How might your life now feel if you went on living in that house? And how might you cope with that hole in the roof? For the first few days, we left it. The weather was fair and it wasn't doing any harm. At certain times of day, the sun would fall through the hole and project a puddle of light. Right there, where it had happened. It was like a rug made of sunlight. To stand in it was to feel the warmth of the sun on your back and its echo from the beaten earth beneath your feet. I suppose it was like a kind of X marks the spot, lest we should ever forget. To be honest, we stood in it only rarely, maybe just a tentative toe or foot, as if dipping it into that shiny pool. It felt a little too sacred to simply stand there. After all, heaven had touched earth here in this place. At a word from the man Jesus, sins had rolled away, right here. Legs dormant since birth had stretched out and found their strength as if they'd been waiting for somebody to tell them. What a place! Of course, over time the roof got mended. Sun 
was replaced with shade, and we would go to and fro across the spot as if nothing had ever happened. All the same, in moments of heaviness, when no one was looking, I would press the sole of my foot onto that patch of beaten earth. I would feel its echoed warmth creep up into me and whisper a prayer to the God of my life. In that house, no one ever doubted that he was listening. Richard Littledale, and he'll be back in a few weeks' time pondering on what happened next in the story of the prisoners who stayed put. But right now, it's notice board time. Today is the last day of the Flower Festival in Christchurch in Laxey. The church will be open today until four o'clock for you to enjoy the displays, and there'll be refreshments available too. Admission is free, but donations would be welcome. This afternoon, it's Harvest Thanksgiving in St. Adamnan's, Lonnon Old Church. The service is this afternoon at three o'clock and it'll be led by the very Reverend John Mann with soloist Jane Corkill and organist Gareth Moore. There's a Taze service in Dolby this evening at St. James at half past six, a gentle time of worship in the schoolrooms around the wood burner. It's a reflective form of worship with simple-to-sing choruses and passages of scripture. If you're interested, do go along to Dolby Church and experience it for yourself. That's tonight at half past six. Also this evening at half past six, the Mariners will be in Kirkmichael Methodist Church when the preacher will be Reverend Brian Yardy and supper and community hymn singing will follow. On Wednesday evening, it's the final summer concert in St Thomas's Church here in Douglas, and it'll be given by Crosby Silver Band, conducted by Jerry Wordsworth. The concert starts at quarter to eight. Admission and light refreshments are free. And don't forget, there's coffee and chat in St Thomas's every Friday morning from half past ten. This Thursday, the 21st, there's another simple lunch served at the cool Methodist Chapel between 12 noon and 2 o'clock. Homemade soups, desserts, tea and or coffee will be on the menu for just £7 and as a warm welcome for all. On Thursday evening, it's the final summer concert in St Catherine's Church in Port Erin, starting at a quarter to eight with free admission and refreshments in the church hall afterwards. And the season is finishing on a high note from Russian Silver Band. Next Saturday, the 23rd, there'll be a sponsored organ play by Eric Kelly to raise money for the UNICEF Fund for Starving Children in the Yemen. It's in St John's Methodist Church next Saturday from 10am to 4pm. Pop in any time to enjoy the music, have a cuppa and make a little donation. The Londu Male Voice Choir will be in concert in Selby Methodist Church next Saturday, the 23rd at half past two. 
Admission is £10, which includes homemade refreshments. There's no need to book in advance, just turn up and pay at the door. And finally, looking ahead to next Sunday, the 24th, Union Mills Methodist Chapel have two harvest services on Sunday, the 24th. At a quarter past ten, there'll be a family service led by Mrs Pauline Corlett. Then next Sunday evening at half past six, the preacher at Union Mills will be Reverend Dr Janet Corlett. Supper will be served after the evening service and everyone will be made most welcome. Also next Sunday, the 24th, Sandygate Methodist Chapel have their harvest service at half past six. Bert Quayle will preach, the organist will be John Neal and the soloist Paul Costain. Harvest gifts will be gratefully received for the food bank and Sandygate Chapel will be open next Saturday from 2 to 3 to receive your donations of non-perishable foods and household essentials. And that's all that we have time for now. But I'll be back later in our virtual lounge tonight at nine with a mix of easy listening music, your requests and dedications. And I'd love you to join me if you can. So till whenever we meet again, this is Judith saying thank you for listening. And I wish you and those you love a blessed and peaceful week and a very good morning. Station